Happy Father's Day again. Good to see you all. We're going to jump straight into this today. Um, if you want to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Uh, I love that when you were just praying there, you were like, you said the word identity crisis. I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's exactly uh, what the Lord laid on my heart today. Um, I do want to give two quick announcements as you're going to Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we have VBS coming up July 12th through the 15th, and then we also have youth camp coming up uh, the, the weekend before that. And so they're raising money, so if anyone wants to give to the youth, they can. Just see one of the youth, they'll know what to do. Uh, I just want to bless you. Thank you for being here. Um, I, I feel like the Lord wants to do something really special today. I want to, I want to read something first because... I, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying, and I don't want you to, to misread. So I'm going to read a, a, uh, an attorney's written. I'm just kidding. I'm going kind to of try to lighten the room a little bit, right? Uh, this, is, uh, this is from my heart, and so I just want to read this to you. Um, so today I am not making generalized statements with veiled assumptions about males and females, all right? Nor am I making overly specific rules concerning males and females, all right, ready? These are, this is the real small, you know, writing at the end of the contract. Anyway, I'm not teaching my own personal conviction or ideology. This is not a complete, comprehensive teaching on the roles of man and woman. I'm not attempting to summarize, to categorize, or to degrade either male nor female. I'm not telling you that men are superior and are supposed to rule over women. I honor and respect the place both men and women have in society. I am also not saying that a woman's role is to be subservient and that if she isn't, she's deceived. I don't believe that. I'm not saying that. The Bible doesn't teach that. I also don't believe the Bible teaches that women are weak and men are strong. I have found countless examples of the opposite. All right. Thank you. I do not, yeah, y'all can help me out here, right? Like, whoa, what are we wading into here? Uh, <laughs> I do not believe the Bible teaches that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that women are second class, or that they're less than, that they're weak or they're inferior. Under the new covenant, everyone is powerful, amen? amen. Everyone has access to the heart of God. Men don't have more or better access to the things of the kingdom. Jesus broke down the spiritual and societal barriers for all people. Amen? <laughs> man was God's idea. Everyone say amen to that. Man was God's idea. And it was a wonderful idea, I think, right? I mean, I'm glad I was born. Good idea, Lord. Like, you did, like, I'm happy. Like, good job. Thank you, God. So man was God's idea. It was a great idea. God chose man to tend and to care for the garden, to tend to and care for his laws. And woman was God's idea. Woo! A wonderful, better idea. <laughs> Someone said uh, women were made of better stuff. A man was made from dirt. Women were made from men. So they're clearly the fairer species, right? <laughs> she was the answer to the loneliness of man. She was created to be a helper alongside man as co-laborers, called by God to co-create. Do you hear this, women? Called by God to co-create, to subdue, and to prosper just as man, equally. It is important also that you know that I'm not saying that you cannot fulfill your original purpose if you are single, divorced, or widowed. 
I don't believe that's true and the Bible doesn't teach that to be true. God doesn't play favorites and only and restrict access, all right? We all have access. See, God said he would be the lover of our soul. He would be our husband. He would be the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He would be our helper, our provider, our protector, our guide, our keeper, our father. I am simply today trying to draw attention to original design and original purpose found in God's word, all right? This week I prayed that God would convict and open our eyes and ears, that the lies and the counterfeits would be undone. We'd say yes to that in Jesus' name. That the inferior things inside of us would die. I pray right now that deep calls to deep and revives and awakens us. I hope that this word will release both captives and prisoners. I pray that you will be captured by God's voice, the only voice that gives life, the only voice that can give purpose, healing, freedom. I pray today that you find the key that unlocks you. Everyone that's been feeling stuck, I pray today he unsticks you. Whether you're single, married, divorced, it doesn't matter. God has a perfect, beautiful plan for you. I pray today that you are healed from the inside out. I pray that your relationships are healed, that your past, your present, your future is healed, that your heart is healed, that your memories are healed. I pray that God breathes his eternal purpose into your entire being. That's what I believe for today. Amen? That's what I'm asking God for. So we are literally made in the image of God, male and female. You see that? That's what God's word said. He made us in the very image of God, both male and female. That is our identity. Whatever the world's trying to say right now, it's, it's, it's crap. This, this pull down the patriarchy is a bad idea because God made us male and female and God called himself the father. So patriarchy, the fatherhood is a good idea. It was God's idea. And the idea that moms and women have to be more like men to be successful in the world is a bad idea. We need men to be the men God created them to be and for women to be the women God created them to be. And nothing's off limits for the two. Like both have access to God the same as the other, but there are very distinct design and purposes attached to male and female, amen? We can't go against this. It's biological, it's scientific, it's historical. It is fact, it can't be changed. The truth of this, that we're sons and daughters, means that we're also endowed with great nobility and great worth. Do you know that about yourself? You have been endowed by God, gifted by God with great nobility, great value, great worth, because you're his son and his daughter. Come on. Amen? All right. You ready? Let's see here. Get this thing going. I may need assistance today. Sorry, we tried it. It's not, uh, it's not reading. We'll, we'll, we'll try again, because this will be, there we go. Is that me? All right, we'll be very, be very helpful if we can do this. So in Genesis chapter two, I just want to pray. Father, we thank you so much. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your faithfulness. And God, we just ask that you would put your, your words in, in my mouth and in our ears today, in our hearts, God, that you would produce fruit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in Matthew chapter 2, 
Now, I just want to say that God created the heavens, the earth. He created the animals. He created all the beasts, the flying ones, the ones that swim. He told the sun and the moon where to be. He told the oceans where to stop. He raised the mountains up. He did all of this, right? He created us. And every one of these things he created, he gave a purpose to it. Like to the moon, the purpose of the moon was to govern the nighttime, to give light at night. It was a lesser light, but it had a design and a purpose to give light at nighttime. He, got, he governed, he gave the sun the ability to govern the daytime. He called it day and it was the greater light and it was to give us light and strength and heat and to cause things to grow. And when God created these things, he, in, he instilled inside of everything a design and a purpose with them. And so the Bible says that God created man right here in Genesis 2 verse 15. Then God took the man after he created him. He breathed his life into him and he took him and where did he put him? Right here, right in the middle of a garden in this beautiful paradise, the Garden of Eden. God put him in the middle of this garden and then he gave a purpose to him. He said, you're here to tend and to care for it, to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man and he said this, of every tree and of every garden, you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge and of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And God said, come on. So who was there alone with God in the garden when the command was given? Everyone say Adam. Adam was by himself. Where was Eve? She wasn't created yet. So God gave instructions for the garden to man before Eve ever arrived. It's a really important note. And then he looked around and he's looking and he's like, you know what? Man needs a helper. He needs someone to help him tend this garden and subdue the earth and to make it uh, prosperous and to be fruitful. And he said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make him a helper just like him, comparable to him. And so out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. And he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. So Adam uh, and whatever Adam called each living creature was what it was named. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a suitable helper. So of all of creation, no one was good enough to be the helper for Adam. All right? And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall over Adam. And as he slept, God took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. And then from the rib, which God took from Adam... Come on. He made woman and he brought her to man and he said, Adam, God was proud. Look at this beautiful thing I created for you. And he presented him to Adam. And Adam said, in other words, I finally found the one that I've been looking for, the one that's suitable for me, the helper, the one that's comparable to me to help me to subdue, to care for the garden. Yeah, come on. And this is what Adam says. This is now bone of my bone Ooh. and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman. Everyone say woman. woman. Because she was taken out of the man. So the very name woman means of the man, from the man, right? And therefore a man, and then he declares the purpose of this union, the purpose of marriage, the purpose of man and woman being joined together was that they should leave father and mother and be joined together as man and wife. And they shall become one flesh. I'm going to say one flesh. And then it says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, but they were unashamed. 
And we're going to keep reading. All right. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman answered the serpent and said, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some also to her husband and he ate with her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And then shame came, right? Because they sewed fig leaves together and they made for themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam was with his wife and they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. <sighs> and God said to him, who told you you were naked? Where did you learn that word? I didn't teach you that word. He said, have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? See, the moment they ate of the tree, the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil was the moment they began to realize what they had done with eating of the tree, with disobeying came the understanding that we, they were naked and that it was not OK to be naked before they ate of the tree. It was OK to be naked and be unashamed. But afterwards, they realized there was it was not OK. And the man says, the woman, oh, uh-oh, happens really quick, man. The woman whom you, oh, not only is he blaming the woman, he's blaming God. The woman you gave me. Well, it's really quick from this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, right? To you gave me this woman. She gave me of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, now she's blaming someone. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So God looks to the serpent. Oh, I love this. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, but he, but he shall crush. Yep. He will bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and pain for conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. You shall, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Then, at, then to Adam, he said, because you have listened, listen to this, because you listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, you shall not eat of. Cursed is the ground for your sake in toil. You shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you and you shall eat of the herbs of the field in the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground for of it. You, for out of it, you were taken for dust. You are and dust. You shall return. And Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all creations. And Adam and his wife for the Lord God made for them tunics of skin and he clothed them. 
Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now, if he reaches forth his hand and also eats from the tree of life and eat it and live forever. And God didn't want him to stay in that state. So God sent, out, sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim at the east of, east of the garden of Eden with a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. What's the point of all of this, all right? A lot of reading, don't typically do that. I want to do more of that, but it's really good for us to remember because we forget little details in there. And there are some points in here that jumped out at me. This was a few weeks ago. I read the story and I like, how many times have I read Adam and Eve and the creation and taught on it? And I saw something I never saw before. And I want to bring it to you today. Key points here. God created Adam first. God placed Adam in the garden to tend it and to keep it. And God told Adam not to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. But Eve had not been created yet when God gave the command. And I never paid attention to that. I always just read into the story that God creates this beautiful garden and tells Adam and Eve together, y'all don't eat of that tree. But he didn't. That's not how it happens. So why does that matter? All right. It matters a lot because it was Adam's responsibility to lean in and to listen to what God was saying. Y'all see that? It was Adam's responsibility in his original design to hear what God was saying. It was Adam's, oh, come on, sorry. It was Adam's responsibility to learn God's ways and his instructions. Come on. It was Adam's responsibility to tend to the garden it was Adam's responsibility to inform Eve of God's instructions, and it was Adam's responsibility to make sure that the instructions were obeyed. Eve came into this not hearing the instructions directly from God. She heard them through her husband, Adam. This is really important. Really important. Now, there's a, a story that I, years ago, I found this in Job chapter 1, 1 through 5, and I want to read it real quickly because I'm trying to point to, to what father's role, man's role is, and what women's roles are in, in the biblical identity, all right? Again, I'm not assigning, I'm not, I read all that, you got it, right? As I go through, go back and listen, okay? My, my, uh, my legal writing. Anyway, there was this man in the land of us, his name was Job, and he was blameless. Everyone say blameless. And he was upright, which meant he had nothing wrong. He, was, he could stand before God with no fear. He feared the Lord, and he shunned evil. He had seven sons, and, and he had three daughters. And also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. He was the wealthiest. He was the greatest. And now listen to this. This is a picture of what a righteous man does. His sons would go and feast in their houses, each of them on their appointed day. And they would send and invite their sisters to come and eat and to drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send, listen to the father, the father's heart, what a father does for his family. He would send and sanctify them. And he would arise early in the morning and he would offer burnt offerings for each of his children. Why? 
He said, because it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. So Job did this regularly. I just wanted you to see a picture of what a man who's righteous does. He thought that it was important to cover his family. He thought that it was important to make sure that they followed the laws of God. And if they messed up, he felt a responsibility to step in and say, God, please cover my family with forgiveness. Please protect them. Maybe they messed up and cursed you. All right. So we saw all of Adam's responsibility. What was Eve's responsibility? All right. It was her responsibility to trust that Adam was hearing from God. It was her responsibility to follow Adam's gentle leading and to obey God's instructions. It was her responsibility to be the helper, the one who was sent to help, support, and to co-labor. This is really important, right? Because both of them failed. Neither one of them obeyed their original purpose, their responsibilities, their design. They messed up. They sinned. And we know they sinned because they ate of the fruit, but it was way beyond that. It was more than that. Adam and Eve sinned. They failed. They missed the mark. <clears throat> because they disobeyed God. Everyone say disobeyed God. So how did Adam sin? Y'all follow? I'm just doing teaching and we'll talk. How did Adam sin? He didn't just eat of the fruit. He wasn't tending the garden. And he let a serpent into the garden. Are all the dads, listen to me. We've been given a garden to take care of. And if there's a snake in the garden, it's because we let it in. It's our responsibility to drive the serpents out of our garden. Your family is your garden. Your home is your garden. Your workplace is your garden. If there's a snake there, it's because we let it in and we weren't tending the garden. And there's a responsibility on man from the beginning to guard his family, to guard his business, to guard his home, his finances. And this is to be a convicting word. It is for me. Because I'm like, man, how many snakes have I let in? Because here's what happens when the snake comes in. The snake fights for Eve's affection. When we allow a serpent into the garden because we're not tending it, that serpent will always fight for our wife's affection, for our family's affection. Adam sinned by not making sure that God's commands were obeyed. And then when he messed up there, he listened to his wife instead of to God. It said it there in Genesis 3.17. Adam, you sinned because you listened to your wife instead of the instructions God gave you. What would have happened if when, when Eve said, here, take of this fruit, if Adam says, no, stop. God said not to eat of this fruit. We've got to not do this. Don't do it. It would have been a completely different story. And then whenever he saw it, <laughs> whenever he saw it, he was enticed by what he saw. Man, is that a picture of man? We're so enticed by what we see with our eyes. But if we're tending to the garden, if we're making sure the snakes aren't there, making sure that, the, that our families aren't drawn uh, to other voices, we won't have time to be enticed by what we see with our eyes. He ate of the fruit. He tried to cover his own nakedness and he tried to hide from God and then he made excuses and he pointed to the very person God sent to be his helper. How did Eve sin? Not only did she eat the fruit, she lost her purpose. Her purpose was to be there to stand beside Adam and to be a co-creator, one who helps subdue, to tend to the garden, to prosper. 
she listened to another voice. Say, I got on to the men, right? To, to Adam, he didn't tend the garden, he let a snake in. But Eve listened to the other voice. She was enticed by what the other voice was saying. She believed the lies from this other voice and was deceived. And once that happened, she also was enticed by what she saw with her eyes. I really want to cover marriages. I want to cover um, our identities as male and female. I really want God to keep us safe. And then she ate of the fruit because she saw it. And then she also tried to cover her own nakedness. And she also tried to hide from God. But did you notice that Adam and Eve both sinned because they failed to, to live up to their purpose and responsibilities? It wasn't that they just ate of the fruit. It was that they abandoned their identity. Amen? They abandoned their identity. I'm going to take a little time here, all right? Let's draw a picture from Adam to men today. Today, men can struggle to be righteous men of authority, can struggle to make sure God's commands are being obeyed. Men can struggle with tending the garden and their responsibilities. Men can lose their identity and purpose. My goodness, right now, all across the church and across the world, men have lost their identity. First of all, we're being told that, that our identity is foolish and that our identity is oppressive or that our identity, our masculinity is toxic. It's not true. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity. God created us male and female for a reason. And if us men will, will do these things, I'm telling you, it creates a protection and a covering that we, we couldn't even imagine that would be there. It creates a safe place, right? So today, men can also allow serpents in the garden, can allow temptations to find a home, can allow other voices in the garden to fight for our family's affections. And then when all that happens, we, we can become self-righteous. We can find religion and try to hide and compensate for our nakedness. And many other things we can pour into our life to try to fill the void, to say, oh, my purpose is to own a business, or my purpose is to be famous, or my purpose is to be wealthy. No, that's not our purpose. My purpose is to tend the garden God gave to me. It doesn't matter what your garden is or what your garden is. My garden is my responsibility. God gave it to me. And I don't want to look at someone else's garden and be like, oh, I want to, I want to tend to their garden. No, take care of my garden. Amen? Because this is the, the original purpose that we, we were created for. Women today can take the same struggle, right? And they can struggle to trust God and the God-given voices in their life. It's really easy to do. Men, women can also listen to the voice of the liar. They can become enticed by the lies and become deceived, can be disconnected from their purpose as helper, can trade their original design for a counterfeit one. Just like men, we can become self-righteous. And then here's what happens too. Women can fall into the trap of devising their own plans, their own schemes to feel empowered, safe, and covered. But only God's original purpose works. None of the other stuff works. Is this making any sense? Are we drawing the connection? God is calling men and women to our place today. He's calling us to a place of righteousness. 
See, I've felt really convicted lately just thinking about being a father and managing my home. And that is my responsibility. Dads, it is our responsibility to take care of our home. And I always think of it like, well, that means like, you know, mowing the yard, taking care of stuff, trying to make sure, you know, earning a wage. That's secondary. That's, that's stuff that's important. It is. But it's not of utmost importance. What's more important is that I tend the garden, the atmosphere of my home. A lot of us, I'm going to talk to us for a moment. A lot of us men, a lot of us husbands have allowed the atmosphere of our home to be created by our wives. And women are doing the best they know how, right? But I'm telling you right now that it, as a father, it's my responsibility to tend to the atmosphere of my home. Now, I'm not telling my wife what to do. I'm not leaning, lording over her. We're doing this together. But what I'm saying we've done is we've said, here, you take care of the atmosphere of our home. You make it a place of prayer. You make it a place of worship. You make it a place of peace. And I'll go out and I'll earn money and I'll come in, I'll bring my check on the table and I'll check out and watch TV at night. That's not what our responsibility is. It's more important that I create peace in my home, that my wife together, we create peace, that I don't abandon the planning of our home to my wife. Come on. I'm talking to me. You figure the budget out. You figure the future out. You figure out how we're going to go on vacation. No, no, no. It's our responsibility to do this together. And as a man, it's my responsibility to tend the garden of my home. Man, if we walked home today and we had a water leak, we'd take care of it, right? We'd call someone if we couldn't fix it ourselves. Call a friend. Hey, I got a problem here, right? Some of us even abandon that stuff off to our wives. That's like... Why? But what happens when a snake comes into our family? That's my responsibility. If a snake comes into my home, I'm not going to ask Mandy to go kill the snake. She would be totally able to do it. She'd probably be better at it than me. But I'm not going to run and hide and be like, hey, babe, go take care of the snake that came into the house. I'm getting, you know, a shovel or a gun, and I'm, I'm going to take care of the snake myself because that's my role. When a snake comes into the garden, I'm supposed to watch out for it. Well, if a real snake came in the house, I would do that. Men, what would happen if a, if a spiritual serpent sneaks into our family and starts whispering to our sons and daughters and starts lying to them and starts lying to our wife and starts trying to fight for her affections? I, I know so many, there are so many youth pastors and friends and people that I've been in ministry with that their marriages have fallen apart over the last five years. It's unreal the amount of marriages that of people that I know that I care about have fallen apart because a serpent has gotten into the garden and we didn't catch it as men and that serpent stayed there and it lied to our wives and the, the wives said, I'm done with this. I found a voice that's more enticing, more appealing, that's better. I found a better garden. Your garden sucks. I found a better, like this happens. It's happening all over the place right now. And you're like, well, well it's, that's because she was this or she, she was that. No, it's because as a man, I have to tend the garden of my family. It's my responsibility to make sure there aren't snakes there. That the enemy's not whispering in my wife's ear at night, lying to her. 
that social media doesn't lie to my wife and say, hey, the grass is greener over there. Y'all need more money. Y'all need more things. Your husband needs to work more. That, that comes in. We can be discontent with our lifestyle, with our lack of taking vacations or having nice things. Or, and we can look at other people's gardens and be like, oh, their garden looks so beautiful and so nice. <coughs> I want what they have. Why don't you go work harder? And the man can take the responsibility and say, well, I'm going to go work and toil and leave the number one responsibility, which is the garden of our family and our home. And God's calling us today to repentance. He's calling us to repentance. He's calling men to step up into their role. He's calling women to trust the God-given voices in their life. And I'm not saying women don't hear from God because I said all that in the beginning. Absolutely, women hear from God. What I'm saying is that there is a partnership between male and female that's important. <coughs> Are you all okay? It's perfectly logical that Eve listened to the serpent when you follow the whole story. Did God really say? You know what she could have thought? Well, Adam told me he did. It's perfectly logical. But God wants to come and remove the deceiver. Amen? Here's the hope. This verse right here. Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I wanted to close with that as a prayer because over the last few months, I've been searching. Anyone else? Any other men you've been searching? Any other women you've been searching? Like, okay, there's got to be something. There's been a holy discontentment rise up to where I'm like, God, I'm desperate for you. Like, we sing about it. My heart needs a surgeon. <laughs> My soul needs a friend, right? We, you know, and so we've been running to the Father, and the Lord's been speaking and pulling these, these wounds and these things up. And that song goes on to say, I'm done with the hiding. Man, I love that line. I felt it more today than any other time we sing it. I'm like, that's right. I'm done hiding who I am. I'm done hiding. I'm done. God created you. He created me with a purpose, not to hide, not to bury it, not to put the light under a bushel. He wants us to step into our role. And my role is the garden that God gave me. My role is the spiritual leader of my home with my wife. Again, not lording over, but with my wife. We'll save more of this for when we have a men's meeting and we'll just really drive down into a lot of this because God's going to stir us up to where we're going to step up and show the world what healthy men look like. What healthy women look like. Come on. Are you all okay? <laughs> it's hard to read, read how it's going today, so I'm just going to trust that you're like, I'm thinking about this. I hadn't thought about this before either. I'm going to tr trust that that's what's going on. Men, our role for hearing from God is vital. I love the picture. And, I, and I've started doing this, praying over my sons and being like, God, I have conversations with them, but I want one with you first. If my sons have cursed you in their heart or if they've sinned or if I've let a serpent in to lie to them, I ask you to forgive me and I drive that serpent out right now. You can't have my kids. Dads, moms, listen. The world's coming after our children. 
if, if I, I think we're all pretty aware of that right now, especially in the month that we're in, of the chaotic uh, events that are going on around the world. Shagoon was talking on their vacation. They're like, we want to go to New Orleans. This is a great place to go. We're going to eat some good food. We've always wanted to go. And he's like, we didn't think about when we were going to New Orleans. And they're like, oh, we made a mistake. They felt like they made a, a, a right turn to, to Sodom and Gomorrah instead of... <laughs> and and that, ha- that is happening everywhere right now. And our kids are being exposed to it. Beyond that, not being exposed to it, being, being brought to it with the purpose of exposing them to it. There's a difference when someone stumbles into something they shouldn't see or be a part of, but then there's a difference when that's the whole point is to expose them before they should be exposed to it. And the world is coming after our families. It started, they started coming after the, the ladies. They started coming after the patriarchy now, and now they're coming after children. The enemy hates the family. He hates it. He hates it when we step into our role. So if you have children, guard your kid's heart. Be careful. Don't let serpents in. Don't let the snakes come in and lie to them. Are you all okay? Jesus. Why don't you stand with me? I feel like God's God's calling us to righteousness. And and righteousness is not something we can earn. It's not something that, you know, we can get points for. It's literally standing in Christ and hiding ourselves in Christ to where when God sees us, he sees us through his son. That's righteousness. And it only comes through Jesus. It doesn't come through any other religion. It doesn't come through any of these practices that we have. It only comes in surrender to Jesus. That's the only way we can become righteous. And I feel like God's calling us back to that, back to the original intent, away from all the fluff and all the enticing things that pull our attention. He's bringing us back to a singular focus. He said he would give us a singleness of eye so that our eyes aren't, aren't here and there and everywhere, but that our eyes are singular and focused intently upon him. So God, we ask right now that you would send your Holy Spirit and continue to convict our hearts. It's good for us to be convicted. It's good, God. It's good for us. It's good for us to hold up the standard of your word and look at where we are and look at your word and say, oh God, we're not what your word says. Make us what your word says. So I want you to do that right now. Just tell the Lord, hold up your standard of righteousness. Show me where I've missed the mark and make me righteous. Bring me into alignment with who you say I am. God, we break the lies right now. We break off all the lies right now. We drive the serpent out of our garden. 
You put enmity, you put hatred between the woman and the serpent. God, I ask you stir up that hatred in us for the liar, for the serpent who's come to steal, kill, destroy. Make us watchmen and women on the wall. Help us to co-labor, to co-tend to the garden of our hearts and our families. I'm just going to ask for you to make an altar at your seat right where you're at. Just sit down, kneel down, have a conversation with the Lord. I'll bless you in just a few moments. But I don't feel like it's right for us to just walk out. I just don't. every man I call you Gideon every one of you you are Gideon you are a mighty man of valor come on will you say it over yourself I am a mighty man of valor <sighs> over all the ladies I call you Hephzibah like why would you call me that <laughs> it means my delight is in her say that over yourself ladies this is what God says over you his delight is in me come on ladies say his delight is in me Men, you're a mighty man of valor. Women, his delight is in you. And I declare your purpose will prevail in our lives, God. Bring healing to our homes, God. <laughs> healing to our marriages, to our families. God, the marriages that are on the way, we speak blessing over them, God. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for a woman to be alone. We declare the future. We pull it into now, God. Those that are lonely, you say you put them in families. <sighs> Family was your idea, God. We bless everyone in this room right now. Bless those watching at home. Men, you're a mighty man of valor. Women, you are his delight. <laughs> How beautiful. God, we surrender to the original purpose and design. Would you say that? God, I surrender to the original purpose and design. <laughs> I break off counterfeits. Come on. I break off the counterfeits, the lies, the deceptions, the enticing fruit. We say no to all of it. We drive the serpents from our garden. Come on. We drive the serpents out of our garden. We will care for and tend to the garden. We will care for and tend to the laws and commands of God for your righteousness sake. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. We'll pray for you. We'll lay hands on you. I just want to bless you right now. So if you just want to receive a blessing, God, I bless everyone here. I bless every man with the truth that he is a mighty man of valor. And I bless every lady with the truth that your delight is in her, that you're so pleased with her. And God, I cover our families, I cover our homes, I cover our businesses. God, I pray that we would tend to the gardens you've given us to care for. 
And God, I pour blessing and favor into these homes. God, I, I pour divine alignment into, into these, uh, everyone here, into these families and lives. Divine alignment where things click into place, where you unlock us today, where you free us today and you heal us. We bless you. Thank you for being here. Happy Father's Day. Amen. Amen.